Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Hope you all, along with me, would appreciate a break from looking at the Sermon on the Mount. I've decided to go a little different direction this morning. I was talking to my dad, I think it was last evening, and he said, you preach tomorrow? And I said, yes. Did you preach it from the Sermon on the Mount again? I said, no. I said, kind of nice to go a different direction once in a while. So I invite you to turn this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 34. I'd like to read a decent length passage this morning. like to start reading Deuteronomy 34, verse 1, and read through Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. Deuteronomy 34 verse 1, And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah, that is, over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan, and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea, and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eye, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was an hundred and twenty years old when he died. His, eyes, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his, all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and all that mighty and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel, Joshua 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not 
any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to, to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. This passage chronicles a time of change for Israel. It chronicles an important transition in the history of Israel. The end of the leadership of Moses and the beginning of the leadership of Joshua. But it was more than that. It wasn't just a time of transition of leadership where Moses had been the leader for the past 40 years, beginning with the time of the plagues in Egypt, the exodus, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, through the time in the wilderness, the giving of the law, all the miraculous events that we have recorded that God did for his people there in the wilderness. You know, Moses and all of that was instrumental. Was those, those miraculous things were from God, but yet Moses was instrumental. When they crossed the Red Sea, when they were given the daily supply of manna to eat, when they received water from the rock and so forth, those were miracles of God. But Moses was the figurehead. Moses was, he was the one that held his, held his rod out over the water and the sea parted. He was the one that struck the rock. He was the one who told them that in the morning you will have manna to eat. So Moses for 40 years was the man they looked up to. He was the man who they had a high regard for. They placed confidence in him as their leader. But now it was a time of transition of leadership. But it was also a, another transition, a transition from traveling through and wandering through the wilderness to being on the verge of going in and taking over the promised land that God had promised hundreds and hundreds of years to Abraham. They were there on that border, ready to go in and possess the land. Forty years before, approximately, 
they were on that border as well. And they sent out 12 spies to, to spy out the land. And 10 of those spies came back with a bad report, a report that discouraged the people of the land, of the, the Israelites about the land and about the people, the inhabitants of the land. And they were ready to rebel against God and against Moses and choose a leader and go back to Egypt. And because of the rebellion, God had sentenced the people to 40 years, a day, a year for every day that the spies were in the land, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, until all the men that were 20 years old and older had died, except for Caleb and Joshua, the two spies who had brought back the good report. And so here they were, 40 years later, on the, on the bank of the Jordan River, looking into the land of Canaan, about to take possession of what God had promised them. And I'm sure that there was a lot of excitement, anticipation, uh, longing to get away from the drudgery of living in the wilderness. But along with that excitement, I have to imagine that there may have been some some people, at least, who were maybe uneasy, they were uncomfortable with the idea of a leader other than Moses. They may have been uncomfortable or unsure or even scared of the prospect of crossing the Jordan River into that territory and facing the hostile people of that land. Joshua himself may have been a little nervous about these changes. Joshua had been Moses' aide, his right-hand man, we might say, for years. But suddenly, Moses was gone, and Joshua was in charge of this huge company of possibly millions of people. And the task of bringing them into that promised land, crossing the Jordan River, Joshua had large shoes to fill. And so we see that as God brought the, his people out of it, Egypt through the wilderness, through that time of wandering in the wilderness, it seemed like maybe at that, during that time that it would never end. But it came to the point where it was time to move in to the promised land. Change is inevitable. Time moves on. Change happens. And we vary in our personalities, but most of us have at least somewhat of a tendency to be comfortable with the normal. Change isn't something we always welcome. And you may have made the connection in your mind already with thinking about the change, with the fact that we're on the verge, the beginning of a new year. In two days from now, 
we're going to be moving into a new year. And I was thinking about that, and I don't know how you view a new year. We tend to make a big deal about it. In a lot of ways, it's just another day. Uh, you know, that's when it's kind of like I view birthdays. When you're little, birthdays are so important. And once you get to a certain age, it's just another day. But a new year signifies change. It signifies a new beginning. And that's why it holds significance in our minds. A new year is a time that we might look back on what has happened in the past, as well as looking forward and maybe making some plans for the future, or at least hopes for the future. The beginning of a new year is also a time of facing the unknown. We don't know what the next 12 months hold for any of us. We can plan, we can speculate, but we don't know. And so today, as we stand on the edge of a new year, I think that we can compare our vantage point with that of the Israelites as they stood there by the Jordan River, looking across into the promised land, facing the next stage of their journey when they were going to receive the inheritance that God had promised. So in this account, as we look at the Israelites, we see that God was in the process of fulfilling the promise he had made years before. Moses, from what we read there in Deuteronomy, was not permitted to cross over into the promised land. But God gave him the opportunity to view it from, from afar. In that chapter in Deuteronomy, it's probably the shortest chapter in the book of Deuteronomy, and, but it's, there's so much amazing information there. God took Moses up to the top of that mountain and he showed him all of the land that years and years before he had promised to Abraham for his, for his descendants after him. And so God is telling Moses that here you are, we're on the verge of me giving my people the promise. We also see that God was faithful in providing for his people all these years. He was faithful in providing for Moses as a leader of the people. It says that 120 years of age, Moses still had good eyesight and his physical strength was still there. So God had supplied for Moses what he needed to lead the people up until the time of this transition. 
We also see that God had provided a successor for Moses. God was not leaving his people to flounder on their own. God had provided in the past. He had brought them to this point of entering into the promised land and he was continuing on to provide for the next stage a good solid leader. So then in Joshua 1, after the death of Moses and the time of mourning his death, I don't know how long it was, what says they mourned for him for 30 days, and I don't know if it was immediately after that, but it says that God spoke to Joshua. And God said, it's time to go. And he commanded him to lead the people over the Jordan River into, the, into Canaan. And I found it interesting that as God commanded Joshua to do that, we see that God repeated the promise again of what the territory was going to be that they were going to possess. He was reminding Joshua that this is what I have promised and this is what I'm about to, through your leadership, to bring my people into. He also had promised Joshua that he would be with him just as he would been with Moses. So we see that they're getting ready to embark on a new leg, the final leg of their, their journey, but the promise was still the same. The promised land was still the same. God also, the promise to be with them was there as he had been with Moses. He had also supplied for a new leader. So we see God's faithfulness. God commanded Joshua then to be strong and of a good courage as he faced the task at hand. But that wasn't the only thing that God commanded Joshua, and this is what really drew me to this passage. God also, in verses 7 and 8 here in Joshua 1, called him to carefully obey all the law that Moses had commanded. The law that God had given through Moses. And notice here that the complete obedience to this law is what was going to guarantee their success as they crossed over the Jordan to take possession of the land. God's promise to Joshua was that if they were obedient to him, he would in turn fulfill his promise to Abraham and to his seed. You see, it was conditional. So how was Joshua to make sure that they obeyed God's law fully? How was he to be able to move forward with confidence as they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. God told him that the book of the law was not to depart out of his mouth and that he was to meditate on it day and night. In other words, Joshua was to know the law 
or God's Word, inside and out. He was to make it a daily practice to meditate on the law, meditate on God's requirements. Obedience to God's law was of utmost importance. And to have full obedience, Joshua needed to have a full knowledge and a full understanding of what was contained so that he could be an effective leader to the people. So that he could experience God's blessing. Look at the promises that God made to Joshua and to the people. God promised Joshua prosperity. He said, I'll make your way prosperous. He promised him success. He promised that no one would be able to stand against him. And he also promised that he would never fail or forsake him. Those are terrific, wonderful promises. But notice they all hinged on Joshua's obedience to God's law. And obedience to God's law hinged on understanding and knowing what God required. I was extremely impressed in this account how clearly God linked their success as they moved into the promised land with their understanding and their obedience to his law. And I have to think that our success as we stand on the brink of a new year is linked as well to our understanding and our obedience to God's Word. God's given His Word. He's made it available to us. We all own multiple copies of it, likely. And it's not our option to pick and choose what we obey. It's our responsibility, if we want God's blessing in the year ahead, to know and to obey His Word. I found it interesting that the Apostle James tells us in chapter 2, the person who obeys all of the law all of God's commands yet fails in one area is guilty of breaking the entire law. James 2, 10, and 11 say, say this, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So he's saying there that partial obedience doesn't gain any favor or any merit with God.
But just as we see in God's command to Joshua, complete obedience is what secures the favor and the promises of God. So if we want success and we want God's blessing in the coming year, we need to know and obey God's word. Now I'd like to turn back to the Psalms to another passage where the writer expounds on the blessings of knowing and meditating on God's word. Psalm 119, starting at verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I have kept thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The psalmist here is expressing a deep love and appreciation for God's word. God's commandments, God's law. And we can see as we read this that that deep love and appreciation came from out of his experience of applying God's law in his life. This was his testimony. It wasn't it wasn't theory. He's saying this is how I have found it. Note all of the blessings that God's law was to the psalmist. In verse 98, he said it makes him wiser than his enemies. Verse 99, it gives him more understanding than all his teachers. Verse 100, it gives him more understanding than the ancients or the, or the old men. You know, we, we think of somebody with experience. We go to somebody that's older with experience for wisdom. He says it gives him more understanding than the ancients. Verse 104, he says, it gives him understanding. Again, it's the testimony of a man who had experienced the blessing of obeying and applying God's law in his life. You know, we live in an unprecedented time of being able to access information. knowledge is at our fingertips. But here we see the source of true knowledge and wisdom. And we have the testimony of someone who has tried it and found it to give all of these blessings. We also see the psalmist said that he 
in seeing these blessings, he took measures in his life to make sure that he was true to God's law. He says that he was careful to avoid the evil way. He was careful not to depart from God's laws. He also says that God's word was sweeter to him than honey. Why was it sweeter than honey? Because he had tasted it. He had experienced it. He had found these blessings to be true. So today, we may look back on 2018 with some regrets, things that we didn't get done that we wished we had, things we did do that we wished we hadn't. And we may look ahead longing for a better year in 2019, longing for God's blessing in the coming year. But as I think about that, and as I looked at these passages It's so clear that there's one very important key that we all have, that we all have access to, to guarantee God's blessing and our success. And that's our willingness to know and obey God's word. Will we take God's command to Joshua, his command to meditate on, this wor- on his word, not let it depart from our mouths. Will we take that as a command for us today? Will we take the command that if we want to have success in God's blessing, that God's word is of utmost importance? Will we accept the psalmist's testimony and realize that God's word and obedience to it holds the key to knowledge and to wisdom that we'll need in the coming year? I was just so impressed with these passages and how they hold up God's word as the key to success, the key to wisdom that we all need. One thing we need to realize is that the success that God was speaking of when he spoke to Joshua and as we apply it in our lives, that success may be different than what the world around us calls success. The promise isn't that if we read God's word and we meditate on it and we obey it, that we're going to attain to the American dream. But rather the promise is that we'll attain to something so much better. The promise of God to the Israelites was entering into the promised land. It was in many ways 
promise of physical blessing. It, it had spiritual aspects as well. But they were, they were looking to physically cross the Jordan River and take possession of a physical territory. The promise for us today is in many ways a spiritual promise. Because we're not looking to obtain a physical promised land, at least not in this life, but a spiritual one. And then the promise of heaven after this life. The promise is a promise of membership in God's kingdom. And that starts here in this life. We have before us the opportunity to leave behind the kingdom of darkness and to live in God's kingdom, the kingdom of righteousness. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us, talking of, speaking of Christ, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the, into the kingdom of his dear son? That's the promised land. 1 Peter 2.9 But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the promised land that we can attain to in 2019. Even if Christ doesn't come back, even if God doesn't call us home, we have the promise of living in God's kingdom. The Israelites stood on the edge of the Jordan River looking across into the promised land, the land of Canaan, that they're about to enter. And God told Joshua that the key to their success as they crossed over was going to be their knowledge and obedience to his law. So today we stand at the edge of a new year. And I believe that God's message for us is the same today. The key to our success in this new year will be the knowledge and obedience to God's word. So I believe that God's promise to Joshua is for us today as well that this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we may, may we all be faithful, and we, may we all find God's success in the year ahead. May God bless you.